We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. This week's episode of The Corner is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. You know me and Andreas are always covering events. We're always writing articles. But when we do have time to sleep, we lay our head down on a nice, pillowy, soft premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman. Everyone's seen those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store. None of that anymore. You get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to Casper Mattresses. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to get my rest. So Casper Mattresses is the, is the goods. I'm telling you right now. So listen, you can get $50 off of any mattress purchased by visiting casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's one word, the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner, promo code T H E C O R N E R. Terms and conditions apply. What up, everybody? Another episode of the Corner Podcast brought to you by, of course, Kel Dansby and Old Man Andreas Hill in the building. Um, you know, I've been a little sick this week. Stuff has been a little crazy. So it's a day later than usual, but we are here bringing you this amazing podcast that you enjoy every week. Uh, I feel like a lot's happening in combat sports, not too much outside of it this week. Dre, we don't have to talk about shenanigans and sex tapes. No, there's no shenanigans and sex tapes. Uh, the only thing that's happening outside is the Oscars are this weekend, so I've been doing my catch-up on all the Oscar films. Um, 
What else? I mean, Black Panther's just destroying everything in its way. And it's going to continue uh, to destroy everything. Yeah, my wife still hasn't seen it, so I'm trying to get her to go this weekend and watch the baby and make sure she goes to see it. She's like, I, I got to see it. I'm like, yeah, you got to see it. Let's make these cats some money. Um, what else? What else is going on? Yeah. Uh, they moved the Avengers up a week, so the Avengers releases a week earlier than normal, than it's supposed to. Um, hip-hop is having a great year. Uh, by the time most of you hear this podcast, well... Maybe Fonte just announced he's dropping an album. Uh, there's there's a lot of good hip hop. Nipsey Hussle's album is bangs like Bloods and Crips. That shit is hard. Um, I yeah, think man. I picked Nipsey Hussle as my breakout star this year. By the way, if we go back to that show where we're predicting who's having you know the big twenty eighteen, uh, I picked Nipsey Hussle to be like so- the next chance. Man, well, he won't be the next. I mean, Nipsey's got just a huge following. Anybody could sell a, a mixtape for a hundred dollars, <laughs> like when he did. <laughs> sell it's out, a, sell out. Yeah, like that Crenshaw mixtape, and it was dope. Like I got a copy. I ain't buy it. Nipsey gave it to me when we, we shot a. Uh, I shot a, like a mini, not a documentary. We shot him decoding his joint with Ninth Wonder at South by Southwest, and we were just shopping it up. The dude just knows the shit. Um, but yo, it's just. This is great releases. Like, you know, this week I premiered the uh, the Rocket video from Roy Supreme over at uh, Billboard. Um, that album is phenomenal. Uh, you guys will get to hear it on March 16th. But, man, it's a lot of... <laughs> Humble brag right there. Like, no, by the way, I've heard the whole damn thing already. Yeah, y'all get to hear it in a couple weeks. It's in heavy rotation, man. <laughs> I, I, I didn't had it for about a little over a week now. Um, for those of you who don't know, I do DJ Premier's blog as well. So, Primo and Royce are, you know... Royce has been on the podcast before. Yo, on a side note, I know Royce ain't here to defend himself, but I even stopped taking his shirt off in every goddamn Instagram video. Yes, <laughs> yes. My man, you've been hitting the weights. We get it. We get it. But Jesus. Listen, Christ. he's sober. He's hitting the gym. He's trying to get his, his R&B Royce on. I ain't going to tell the man he can't take his shirt off. Listen. My man's got, he's, yo, he's got Instagram thoughts in his messages. <laughs> I can't. There's a song, and this, it's funny, there's a song on the album called Flirt. With two chains, uh, where Royce talks about a real experience with like some broad in his DMs and what happens, it's fucking hilarious. But I'm like, yo, I'm texting him like, yo, gotta put your shirt on, man. Stop. (laughs) (laughs) Get married with children, man. Cut it out. I I feel like I'm at the point in which everyone should be at. I have the man's lyrics tattooed on my arm. I can't tell him shit. Like you, you just gotta just gotta let it rock. Wait, wait, what lyrics you got tattooed on your arm? Um, it's from Success is Certain, and it says, we don't fear death, we fear fear itself. It's the opening line on, like, track 12. I don't know why the name of the song escapes me. Um, but yeah, the lyric goes, a dear friend of mine just attempted to kill himself. It showed me, we don't fear death, we fear fear itself. And, uh, death is one of my biggest fears, so I've been a huge Royce fan forever, um, so I got that tattooed on me when I was like 21, when he was on the show, I wasn't going to fanboy out and tell him this shit. <laughs> so <laughs> just kept that to myself, but it's been tattooed on me for years. Yeah. I mean, Royce, and I'm writing this piece. I've been working on it for like a week now about redefining how do we define the greatest rappers of all time. And I'm breaking them down into like different sections because there's like, there's Michael Jordan goat list. There's LeBron James goat list. There's Bill Russell goat list. Like, there's different ty- types of lists on how you value your GOAT, right? Like, yeah. Like, there's the Kobe Bryant GOAT list, which means that you're blocked by your predecessor, right? <laughs> so it's like, it's like Jay-Z can't be number one because of big. There's people who think like that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? 
So there's different lists. And like Royce ends up on the, uh, what list is it? It's the Tim Duncan list. Okay, I was about to compare him to Tim Duncan because the longevity is incredible. It's either, um, it's either Tim Duncan or the Oscar Robinson list where they often are forgotten about, but when you look at them, you go, Jesus Christ, they're fucking amazing. Yeah. And Royce is that guy. Like, his his career, like, over the, like since Boom, well, even before that, because I've been on Royce since, I want to say, 99, 2000, uh, when the, uh, the game Scary Movies uh, LP dropped. Well, not LP. It was a record, Two Sides and a Beast. It was Scary Movies and... Damn, Bad Me Seal, I think, was the other joint. Yeah, and I think had, Scary Movies is one of my favorite Eminem tracks. Yeah, then he had I'm the King with Alchemist. He had King, I have like a, uh, something lost. Like I was playing, I was talking to Royce one day and I was playing him King of King. Well, I wasn't even playing, I had to play it in the background, King of Kings, where he talks about being Black Jesus. A lot of people haven't heard that song. It's fucking great. But it's like, yo, he, he don't remember the goddamn song. But, yo, the dude, like, there's certain him, Black Thought, Scarface are often people who have been ridiculously consistent and always forgotten about. And Royce is one of those guys. Yeah, like, I mean, you mentioned Fonte. Yeah, like Fonte <laughs> is one of the guys. He's been exceptional as an, as an MC, as an artist, but often forgotten about. It's like right now, before we get into combat sports, but right now, at this particular moment in time, would you put Royce over Eminem on your GOAT list? Easily. He passed Eminem a long while ago for me. And I thought the Bad Meets Evil album... If people had any doubts, track for track on a Bad Meets Evil album, Royce, M couldn't stay with Royce. It, it was, it was a a clear A and a clear B. Um, I I thought Royce surpassed him. Ah, damn, right after Death Is Certain and the MIC mixtapes, like that was you know the height of dissing D12 and the separation and Royce finally going his own way. I, I think that's when he like surpassed M because M. M was great. M is great. He hit a wall. And, you know, due to substance abuse and blah, 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 and all this shit. And Royce went through his demons, too, but he never fell off. There's something to say about that. And he's only getting better, which is scary. Well, I also have him on another list called the Bernard Hopkins list, which is the guys who just keep getting better with age, who never fall off. Like, Eminem is on a different list. He's on the Roy Jones Jr. list. Guys who start off amazing, they should have retired a long time ago, but the fact that they kept going has ruined their status as among greatest of all time. And that's where the argument's always going to be with Emmett Royce, because people are going to say, well, M kind of, I mean, he was the biggest artist of the early 2000s by a country mile. There was nobody bigger than Eminem, and he probably had three exceptionally great albums. I wasn't a fan of the Eminem show. People are going to call it blasphemy on it. <laughs> but I wasn't as huge. Like, Eminem, the Marshall Mathers LP and the Slim Shady LP and the Slim Shady EP for those of you who, you know, missed out on that one, were all phenomenal. Um, and it kind of, I mean, it redefined, like, this guy entered GOAT status immediately because he was so dope and the technique was phenomenal. But he just rapped too goddamn long. Like, you got to hang it up. Him, Ice Cube, LL Cool J, Snoop Dogg. I'll include Snoop Dogg in there because if, if something would have happened to Snoop Dogg, he'd be recognized as the great. But he just keeps rapping. And it's not like he, Snoop is bad. At no, the, the style is just dated. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, you know, it works for white women and soccer moms now. Yeah, it's just, it is what it is. He's older. But it's it's crazy how hip-hop works, and you look at Royce. Royce has always been one of my favorites. I mean, Royce rapped over a Dilla track on Let's Go from Soundbombing, I want to say. Yep. Um, yo, it's just that that guy, I mean, I'm glad I've been able to be cool with him. Like, I was cool with his manager before I was cool with him. Uh, like 10 years ago. And that's how I got cool with Royce. But, uh, 
you know, he told me the story about when when uh, Royce was going to be signed to Aftermath because Keno's the one who fucked that up by doing that interview. <laughs> and Keno's yeah. mad cool, by the way. Yeah, like you were saying, like he the first music concert I was ever credentialed to was because I went through Keno and like he was the contact they gave me, and I went to a Slaughterhouse show and covered it. Yeah, like, Keno. Keno's been my guy for like since like 2006, um, and you know he's also married to Kim Osario, and Kim Osario is the woman who got me into BET. Those who don't know, Kim Osario was the one who ran the Source in the late 90s. Um, so, and they lived like up the street from me when I lived in New York. So I just me like Keno's a big boxing fan. I go over to Keno's house. My wife and Kim would hang out and look at pictures and do dumb shit. And me and Keno watch the fights and. <laughs> You know, then he, I found out Royce was a big boxing fan, an MMA fan, and I was like, yo, big fan of your music. But we, we clicked on the boxing shit. So it's, it's, the world works in mysterious land. I'm not just, like, I'm not just a fan of Royce because me and him are friends, but as far as MCs go, like, to get back to the essence of all this, the man is 40 years old, has a, and Prime 2 is coming out, and he has a slow, Mr. Step. That dude is still rapping his fucking face off. Yeah, which is crazy. Um... I always, you know, if it comes on a show again, I want to ask him, like, he made his battle against addiction so public, and then, you know, he's been sober for so long now, but he's talked about how he just spends so many hours in the studio now. Yeah. I always wonder, like, as an addict, like, just on a real level, like, do you just trade one addiction for another? Like, do you say, like, alcohol is going to kill me, so I'm giving up alcohol, but now I'm really just addicted to this rapping shit, and has it made you even better because you got addicted to the rapping shit? Well, I talked about that with him in the Billboard interview. Some of it didn't make the cut, but I I asked Primo first. I was like, have you seen any changes in, in Royce? And he was like, honestly, no. The work ethic is exactly the same. Like, he's the same person, but now he's just more focused. But he, he always spent a lot of time in the studio. So it, he didn't shift addictions. He just needed to get rid of that addiction so he could focus on his life a little bit. Because his life was spiraling. You know, I mean, shit, he was in jail with proof. Um, he had caught that gun charge. Um, and you know, there was a lot of things with Royce that, yeah, unfortunately uh, he was on media takeout, sack out. That's exactly what flirt is about. The media takeout. <laughs> okay. That's hilarious. <laughs> that is exactly what it is about. And when people hear those who remember the media takeout thing, they will know. And, and two chains murders it as well too. Hearing two chains over a premiere track is fucking dope. Yeah. No, that's crazy. Um, yeah, there's a resurgence in hip hop. Uh, shout out to shake. I saw his list. He put together like a cool, uh, top five list in different categories today on Twitter. Just some, you know, throw it out there list, and it got me thinking. I was like, man, there's some good hip hop still. Like yeah. for our age, like you know, the 20 year olds have their shit, and whatever. I tried. I can't knock it, but yeah, I can't do the Tanahashi 69 dude. <laughs> but you know, that's for them. That's cool. People in our age bracket are still making really dope music. And they're not slowing down at all. So I'm happy to have that, that good balance and seeing where hip-hop is gone. Before we talk about combat sports, if you guys don't follow Andreas on Instagram, please do so. For the first time, first time, first time, he's dropping some throwback Thursday pictures. Trey <laughs> with the fro, the fake fro at the Halloween party is a must, must-see picture. With, with the oh. face, yo, the, the side eye. If you would just put a filter on that with the little monochrome joint, it would have looked like you were in the 70s. Yeah, that was fun. I had actually, that that was a 2006 Halloween party, and I had three costume changes, and they were all pimp outfits. And they all, <laughs> and, 
And for the record, they all came straight out of my dad's closet. I was about to say, so you were your father for Halloween. I got you. Yeah. So it's like the silky robe. I had like a salmon suit with a with like salmon socks. No, I had a white socks with a salmon suit, and I had a velvet, a purple velvet uh, sports coat with white linen pants. It was fucking amazing. We just need to have your dad on the podcast one day, just Mm. to talk crazy shit, like just just from his past. I just want to hear these stories. I feel like there's the man, the legend there, like like he was a hood Ron Burgundy. He was something else. I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> I'll say that about my father. He he was something else. I don't like. I mean, because if you meet him now, you won't get it. Like you have to know. He's like, so chill like, now. Yeah, and relaxed. What he's, he's always been. It's just. You, you you just have to get into the inner workings of my family to understand who my father is. So <laughs> the the depth there is next level, I'm sure. Uh, so yeah, check out those Throwback Thursday. You get to see a tiny little baby Andres. Uh, he has some hair in the baby pic. Ooh. Anytime he posts a hair picture, it's worth a check out. Uh, I think buried on there is his curls for the girls, like 16 year old picture. Oh, I'll post, I'll post it. No, man, I was 21. I, no, I, no, I got one when I was like 16. When no, you were posted when you were 16. Not the one, yeah, not the, the yeah. prom looking picture was from when you were 21. I don't yeah. understand yo, that. I mean, you know, we were hot shit. We used, yo, people used to want to buy our prom pictures, which is crazy. Like you Girl. went to the mall? Like, oh, no, like the actual yo, prom pictures. Our homecoming like, in prom pictures, like we used to make them an event, right? So it's like we, we, we really have the poses down. Like we never looked at the camera. And then, like, when they were done, they were so limited because you didn't get a big package. The other girls were like, yo, I'll give you a couple of dollars. Yo, let me get one. It was crazy. I mean, and I'm not, I'm not making this shit up. <laughs> no, that was the ultimate play back in the day, though. Like, choosing which girls get your pictures and girls would be so open to just yeah. get a picture and you write something on the back. And you'd be like, yo, blah, blah, blah. Sign it. Here, ma. Take this. Ah. They'd be like, oh, my God, I got a picture. You used yeah, to go see, to the photo booth in the mall. I forgot what the hell that was called. Like Photomania or whatever with the different yeah. backgrounds. Oh, everybody did that. And oh, that's yeah. what's crazy because like the, to, the fact that we have phones today where you could take a picture and just text it somebody, it, it, you, you, don't, you lose all of the messaging and the importance of giving somebody a picture. Like one, things actually meant something. And that makes me sound really old. But <laughs> the, fact, like, the fact that you like, had to give away a picture because you had a limited amount of them and it, was, it wasn't as easy to make a picture. Like, it wasn't as easy to take a picture and get it developed and then give it to somebody like it is now. You just take a picture and text it to a billion people or put it on social media. Shit was important. Now yeah. it's like, I, I guess you go to prom, you just take a picture and text it to everybody. Which is whack. Uh, kids will never understand the importance of reading and writing notes. And trying to figure out how to fold the shit back into origami because oh. a chick knew how to fold it into a heart or like a crazy ninja star. I didn't understand none of that shit. Like, but girls would just constantly fold it into intricate patterns and write all inside of it. And I try to respond and just fold it into like four little eight by ten blocks. <laughs> like, just like, yo, you're gonna get this folded in half, ma, fold in half again, and fold in half there. And this is my note. And then the one you give me is going to be all dope and like purple and pink pens and shit. I had a girl write me a note where every word was a different color pen. Too much work. That's, that's, yeah, I that's the you. 90s right there. Yeah, yo, that's, that was commitment to the game. And now kids nowadays, they, they don't know nothing about that. That's, that's why we get all these 21 Savage looking ass kids. And, and, yeah. the, and the weirdos. If they would have had to sit down and work on the penmanship game because they had to pass notes all damn day. And you needed girls to be able to read it. 
it would have it would have instilled instilled something in them. And they would have made them earn it. Everything's just given to kids nowadays. Let's get off our soapbox with the with the youth. Um, combat sports. We have UFC this weekend. Um, man, UFC 222, which was the kind of forgotten card, right? Because the main event dropped out. Max Holloway wasn't there. And we were like, oh, no, another one. But it's shaping up to be pretty decent. I mean, this is pretty damn good. Like, with the exception of the main event, which is going to be a murder... This is this is a very very good card. Like this is a card that you know. And usually we go you know go to Shake Shack and we don't we watch it on the TV. Like I'll probably still go to Shake Shack, but the the prelims are actually just about every fight on there except for the Darius who should probably murder Alexander Hernandez. But every fight on the prelims is pretty good. I mean, Caraway's there, Pyle is there, yeah. Actually, you know, Mackenzie Dern's there, Dotson versus Munoz, Dalloway versus Lombard. Yo, this is loaded. No, it's a good card like they they kind of made it the true ufc fans card and when it was highlighted by edgar versus holloway it's like yo this is the hardcore card right here like every fight has good people you got the young up-and-comers um you got the veterans you have strew versus arlovsky which someone's getting knocked out uh zingano's coming back pretty much listen she can win a belt She's hops coming to jump from being champion. Didn't she beat Amanda Nunez? Yeah, she. Uh, yeah, yeah, she beat Amanda Nunez and she beat Misha Tate. Like Zagano was rolling before she ran into Ronda Rousey. Yeah, so it's like, man, this card is stacked. John Dodson is still John Dodson. Uh, CB Dalloway, Hector Lombard, which I, I'm still. We'll talk about it. I'm. I don't even understand that fight. I can't pick it one way or another. I got to see how you feel about it. But Mike Pyle is always entertaining. Uh, Brian Caraway. And, and man, only thing, only fight that's kind of Jordan Johnson, Adam Milstead, and light heavyweight. It needs some new blood, so I'm even interested in that. Like you, yeah. you never know. It's a division that needs something like that. So man, I'm excited about it. Um, yeah, let's talk about some of the fights on the card before we get into the the roundabout craziness in MMA because we got to talk about that and your boy Brock Lesnar's return here in a second. Uh, Jordan Johnson, Adam Milstead. Uh, I don't know much about either one. I'm excited. I'm going to go with uh, JJ just because. I like the alliteration. I can't, I, I remember uh, Milstead fought Curtis Blades, and that's all I remember. So I know neither guy, and I'm going to go with Johnson, I guess. I, I really don't know. Like I didn't do enough research on that fight. I didn't care. How about that? <laughs> no, that's real. Um like, I, I don't know. It's it's the first fight. We will definitely be at Shake Shack or checking in at that point. Brian Carraway versus Cody Staman. Uh, Carraway? Maybe? Well, yeah. Maybe. I mean, Carraway... Look, he look, trains Carraway. out here, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, been a, he's been in an interesting spot because, you know, Misha Tate left him. Got pregnant with another dude. He's been on the shelf. Um, Carraway looked <laughs> like he was getting himself in a position to fight for a title. Uh, hasn't I think he hasn't fought in over a year since he beat Aljamain, right? I'm pretty yeah, sure that I haven't seen fight. him since. I think he dealt with an injury. Um, and he's fighting Cody uh, Stammen, who beat uh, uh, the Fireball. What's his, What's that kid's name? Um, John, Tom Dukanoy. Uh, yeah, the Fire Kid. Oh he yeah, yeah. Him. He the was French the one who dude. upset him, right? Uh, and Stammen's only lost one fight, so it's an interesting fight. I'm I'm picking Caraway. Uh, but, I, you know, I don't know if any of this stuff outside of the cage is actually affecting Brian Caraway. 
I mean, I don't Come know, on. man. His, his girl left him after a lengthy relationship. He was cornering Misha Tate. She says, the hell with this. You're getting your check cut. No more fights for me. No cornering. You ain't on TV no more, Brian. By the way, I'm leaving your ass. By the way, look at this Instagram pic. New boo. By the way, boom, I'm pregnant. What? I think he's probably gotten over it by now. At least I hope he did. That was like a year ago. So I'm saying. So you should have gotten over it. So no, you don't get over that shit in a year. He's tight. He is shit. salty. Uh, when, when you fight, you take out your aggression on somebody. So maybe, maybe he's still, you know, maybe he. This is a good distraction from whatever's going on in his life. I'm picking Caraway. Caraway's a better wrestler. Um, Stanley is good. He did. He did ground uh, the fire kid throughout those three rounds. But gotta go with Caraway here. And uh, friend of the podcast, Ryan McKinnell, Big Mac on Sirius Radio, will be joined by Misha Tate. I wonder if she picks Brian Carroll. I got to listen to her prediction. If she doesn't, oh, the shade will be so real. I'll just put out mad memes if she she picks against him. Um, Let's see. We have Mike Pyle at welterweight, so that's going to be a good fight. Don't have to predict it necessarily. This is Pyle's retirement fight, by the way. This is Mike Pyle's last fight. Oh, is he walking away? Yeah, he said he's done. Oh, that's sad. He always puts on good fights. He's one of those guys, and I feel like you know they they have a good place in the UFC where you don't have to win, you don't have to lose. Uh, they always put on a good fight, and Dana White's never going to cut you if you put on a good fight. Yeah, Pal's fun to watch. Yeah, so man, that's that's shitty. But all right, he's you know done his thing. It's not like he's getting a title shot. So uh, you know, take your forty and forty and walk away. Nothing wrong with that. We have uh, CB Dalloway, Hector Lombard. I don't know which way to go. Lombard is so wishy-washy to me. Uh, it's a three-round fight, though. Fuck it. I'm going to go with Lombard. Yo, Lombard is on a four-fight losing streak. I know. It hasn't been pretty, but Hendricks, Henderson, Magny, those aren't horrible names. He's fought four times in the past, like, four years. I mean, same. Like, Dalloway's, like, one in, one in three, I think. He's lost to late Nate Marquardt, right? Yeah, this is our uh, bye-bye to Bellator fight. We get one of these every card. Well, I mean, Lombard's not going back to Bellator. So, and it's crazy because Lombard was an absolute savage in Bellator. Came to the UFC and realized he's an undersized middleweight. Why that was wouldn't like he problem. go back? Huh? You don't think they'll take him back? No, not now. I mean, hmm. you, losing five fights in a row? I mean, <coughs> Bellator is not, they're not really hurting for talent at this point. They're, they're actually, they've done good with taking names like this heavyweight tournament. And they're able to to breed and grow the the newcomers underneath some of these bigger names. So you don't really need a lumbar. Like, what's he going to do? Get beat up by Rory McDonald? Nah, that's okay. Well, yeah, you just have the young kids sooner or later, all these, you know, world-class NCAA wrestlers that they just are farming through the system in, in a year and a half, beat up on Hector Lombard. Yeah, yeah I, I don't think I, – I just don't think Bellator is going to pay that man. You need uh, so. gatekeepers. Sooner or later, you need gatekeepers for the young kids. Yeah, but Lombard's not one of them. And I, after all, I don't think Hector Lombard's losing this fight. I'm picking him to beat Dalloway. So he'll still be in the UFC for maybe another fight or two. Um, then we have John Dodson, Pedro Munoz. Uh, John Dodson, of course, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I, same, <laughs> the same result I picked last time. Dodson's faster, the better striker, great takedown defense. Munoz, yes, he's a very good fighter, but Dodson only loses to top-tier competition. you know. And even when he lost to Marlon Moraes, that was close. Lost Marlon Murray. So it's yeah. like Dots doesn't get shut out or he doesn't just get ran over. Like he put Demetrius Johnson down when they fought. So I'm picking John Dotson here. Absolutely. Yeah, man. I, I want to see the Dodson that wrecked TJ Dillashaw again. 
not sure if that guy is still around. Man, that was so many years ago. <laughs> I know, like, but I, I feel like he was just a little bit different offensively then. Like, no, now he's still, he's still he's, quick, but I don't know if he, like, he doesn't look for a knockout. He doesn't try to finish. I feel like he, he scaled back on the on the vicious output. Like, he's, he's just there. It's just better competition, that's all. I mean, he beat Dillashaw, but... You know, he fought Tim Elliott after that. He, he got it. He beat Formiga. Then I Formiga, think he fought TKO, uh, Montague K- KO, Moraga TKO, and with that was a stoppage. He was just pummeling him. Uh, Gamburian TKO hit the wall. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they were tougher guys. I and mean, he's gone up McCau- a division though, right? He's gone up a weight class. So well, now he has. But I mean, before then, yeah, Zach Mikowski was tough. Um, obviously, you fight DJ John Lineker. I mean, these are these are tougher guys. Guys who don't lose. So. You know, Dotson's one of the, the best-kept secrets in MMA in terms of if, if he just gets the right break, he probably would. He could have possibly been a champion. Um, if DJ wasn't he there, had he probably would have been a champion. So in the Bantamweight division, he's a wild card. I don't think anybody else really wants to fight him. Look, Marlon Moraes barely got Ryan, but we saw what Marlon Moraes did to Aljamain Sterling. Right? So it's like, I mean, this is – John Dotson is a very uh, – I mean, he could be a guy who fights TJ Dillashaw again. At Bantamweight for the title. It's possible. He's yeah. that good. That's true. If uh, if Dillashaw, you think Dillashaw defends both belts if he beats Mighty Mouse? I don't know what they do. And I, frankly, I don't even give a shit. I, <laughs> I, I, dog, I have no idea what's going on with any of that. And I just, I don't even care. Like, if he wins both titles, which he won't, but if he were to win and hold both titles, I figure he'd have to vacate one of them. There's no way he can defend two titles. Let us be clear. If they stack. Uh, UFC 226 here in Vegas with three champion versus champion fights. One of those champions, like w- one of the people going down, will hold the title. Or one of the underdogs, shall I say, will win those fights. I don't know if Nunez is going to knock out Cyborg. I don't know if it'll be Dillashaw beating um, Demetrius or Cormier beating Stipe. But one of them is going to win. Cormier is your best bet. Um, I, Dillashaw, I, I think I Dillashaw, Dillashaw going down to beat Johnson... It's very possible to me because we saw what happened with a guy with a similar style fought against Demetrius Johnson, a bigger guy, that damn near the exact same style, maybe a little better, is the only person to beat DJ. Yeah, but DJ was fighting at Bantamweight. If you're coming down to DJ's weight class, if you're, coming, if you're draining He's yourself gonna to fight He's going to balloon after that. TJ will be right back up to 140, 145. Doesn't matter. He's not going to be able to gain that weight the same way. Like he, it's not, it's not going to be the same kind of balloon. He's not Canelo. He's not as young as Canelo. We can blow up and feel good about yourself. That weight cut is going to be a bitch for TJ Dillashaw. And when he fought at that weight class, he got knocked out. Yes, he's gotten better, but he's fighting the best fighter in the world. I don't see TJ Dillashaw beating Demetrius Johnson in his weight class. At bantamweight, maybe. Demetrius Johnson is a much different fighter ever since he moved back down to flyweight. Because at banner, he was too small. He was outsized yeah. by everybody. And I feel like TJ has experience now at Bantamweight. Guys who punch hard, the, you know, Cody Garbrandt, um, even chasing someone as fast as Dominic Cruz. He has all this experience now going back to the division where he was fighting, but he had no ex- Like, it, it was still raw, TJ Dillashaw. I, I think it's a whole different world. He's made the cut before, obviously. He's fought there before. It'll be interesting. It, It'll it's, be it's natural. It, it's cool to see as, not to get too far off subject, but as... Crazy as these matchups seem, the champion versus champion matchups, each of the people moving divisions have fought at that weight class before. So it's not preposterous. TJ Dillashaw fought at flyweight before. Like, he was tiny, he was young, but he fought there. 
We had Cormier fought at heavyweight for years. Nunez fought at 145 in a victory. Like, it, it's not beyond belief. Like, these are things we've seen them do before. So it actually gives the UFC a little bit of credibility trying to match these specific fighters up, which is uh, yeah. pretty, pretty cool. Let's go. Next fight. Uh, Dariush versus Hernandez. Dariush is going to walk through him. But I think I, I expect a sick-ass knockout. Yeah, you're probably going to get one. Darius is pretty damn good. He's got heavy hands. He's a great wrestler. Um, yeah. Hernandez, nobody knows who he is, so nobody will know him after this fight. I'm going to take like a knee knockout or something crazy. Uh, Ashley Yoder versus Mackenzie Dern. Hey, welcome. Uh, First of all, it's going to be interesting tomorrow morning, Friday morning, to see if Mackenzie Dern makes weight. Because <laughs> she's, she's struggled mightily with the weight thing. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Uh, she I mean, missed weight at 115, though, not 125, right? Well, she's I mean, she's going back to strawweight. Yeah, she struggled at flyweight. She couldn't catch it at flyweight. But you never know, man. Your first fight, she might be eating wrong. Who knows? But she's fighting against the Yoder. Uh, I'm picking Mackenzie Dern to win um, by submission. So people are calling. They're already trying to call her the next Ronda Rousey. I don't see it. We've already had one Ronda Rousey, and the game caught up to that one. So I don't think <coughs> Dern will be the same thing. Uh, Mackenzie Dern doesn't have the striking down yet. Still a little green in some areas, but yeah, she should be Yoder. Um, yeah, I think Yoder will actually give her some trouble, though. It's going to be a learning experience. You know, this isn't Invicta. This isn't, you know, babying you into. They, they're not giving her the CM Punk treatment. Like, you, you got to beat an actual living, breathing professional. 18 fights for Yoder. It's going to be interesting. Um, but I think, you know, sooner or later, Yoder can't knock her out. The fight's going to go to the ground, whether Mackenzie's on her back or, uh, you know, in top control. And she's going to win this fight. She's going to tap her. Because the jujitsu is real. Like, I was just uh, talking on another show. And I was like, listen, she is the best at what she does. No different than Rousey was the best at what she did. And to me, jujitsu, and to uh, assume most people, jujitsu translates a much better to MMA than judo. So if you're the you know, top judoka in the world as a woman, cool. And the transition is less than... Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you're the top jiu-jitsu woman in the world, you're going to do pretty damn good. Look at Damian Maia. Like, you have high-level jiu-jitsu, your hands, the hell with the hands, you'd be a top five person right now just by boa constricting people, and I think she can do it. I don't know. Uh, you know, mm, I, don't, I don't know. The whole, the whole idea about, like, everybody does jiu-jitsu. Nobody understood judo, really, in the women's division. And again, Ronda Rousey was just very much ahead of Everybody else, which made her different. Mackenzie Dern, I mean, she types, she, she tapped Cyborg's two hundred and sixty pound friend. Yeah, she did that, but she's also lost a lot of grappling matches as well. Like it's not like she's indestructible. No. And with women having better hands these days, mm, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, how yeah. far she gets. Don't throw her up in there against like Bullet or anybody, but you know, she. she I mean, you, you can never pay her past the UFC to fast track her. <laughs> that'd be the worst. Like, if she gets a title shot in two years, because I don't think Shevchenko loses his belt. Let's just be real. If she gets it in her next fight, she's holding it for a year or two. Um, you know, maybe Joanna going up, or I I don't see anyone at 125 beating her, to be honest. Like, I, I just don't see it. So, um, it'd be Mackenzie Dern in two years versus, you know, Bullet, Shevchenko. I, I'm not taking that fight. Slow the girl down. She's 20-something. Let her live. Let her breathe. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, put her on the Max Holloway plan. Like, yo, Mackenzie, I know you're going to be a big star, but you got to work your ass all the way through it. So at least you're good enough to win 
when you get there. Because, you know, putting her on the Cody Garbrandt might not work. Nope. Um, so we, I'll go with Dern by submission. Kat Zanzano is coming back. I have Kat winning. Assume you're doing the same. She's an underdog. I'm telling you that right now. This girl she's fighting is undefeated. Um, she beat Sarah McMahon in the last fight. And, uh, you know, people are looking at, uh, believe it or not, Vieran as a live underdog. And, well, she's not even an underdog. She's the favorite. Uh, Kat Zingano has only fought twice in the last two years. Uh, she's 35. Uh, she lost to Juliana Pena, lost to Ronda Rousey. So she comes in as the underdog. But all that being said, Kat's experience. She is a great jiu-jitsu practitioner. She's got heavy hands. I'm picking Kazagano to win, but I just want to let it be known that Kat is a, like, she's a plus, like, 135 underdog. Oh, that's a good bet. Uh, that might be your bet of the week. It is my bet of the week. Um, we have Stefan Struve versus Andre Arlovsky. I'm picking Struve to win. Uh, I just have no faith in Arlovsky. Agreed. Um, Arlovsky's always had a glass jaw, and Struve will expose it. Struve has just got, he's gotten better. He's been uneven, but he's, I think he walks around now at, like, 280. He's filled out. He's not a rail anymore. So I think he's going to catch Arlovsky with something filthy, probably a knee. Because I think he lifts his knee and it like goes damn near up to Arlovsky's forehead, just lifting it up. No jumping. <laughs> just straight up and down. Um, yeah, you never know with these heavyweights, man. But, yeah, it's a toss-up. It's definitely going to be a knockout. So then we have Sean O'Malley popping shit versus uh, Andre Sukameth. Uh Andre, I thought, did press row really well. I checked out all the videos and stuff today. That guy has some personality. He's hilarious. He's funny. Um, listened to like MMA Junkie or I mean MMA Radio today and he was hilarious on there. Uh, but Sean O'Malley, Sean O'Malley. Smoking weed, hanging out with Snoop Dogg. And this is a kid who's being fast-tracked. Uh, I, just, I just saw him in the UFC joint at the, behind the palms. Like Dana White looking for a fighter type shit. I wouldn't say he's being fast-tracked because he's not really fighting somebody that's incredibly dangerous. Okay. But, uh, but, I mean, if, as far as positioning on a pay-per-view I mean, card? He is being showcased, which is it's, it's different than being fast-tracked. He's not fighting, like, the top-tier guys, but he's being showcased, put, put in a spot to be showcased. Because okay. he's got a fun style to watch. Um, you know, he, throw, he throws crazy punches and kicks from different and weird angles. He's got interesting combinations. He's got the big afro. He's real thin. Um, but he's very fluid with his striking. You know, his ground game still needs some work. But, uh, you know, I think, uh, yeah, I think O'Malley's going to win. I just, they're putting him in this spot so people can see him. You, you have to build your star somehow. As long as you're not putting O'Malley in there with, like, Dominic Cruz, then you're okay. Yeah, I mean, it, it just hurts that, you know, sometimes you should be able to take a loss on a prelim and people are like, oh, okay, and they don't remember the shit. You take your loss on the, on the main card, it's like, oh, chalk it up, that kid's done. Kind of like Sage, right? Like, say yeah. you push him into that prominent spot. He wasn't going against killers necessarily um, at the time. People we didn't think were that nasty. But it's just you, you put him in this high position with all these eyes. And if they do freeze, if they do fold, or just going through learning pains, it's very public. And I now mean, everyone's off the Sage Northcutt train. Everyone. Not, no, they're not because he was the highest viewed fighter on the prelims last time. So nobody's off the Sage Northcutt train. Don't get that confused. Only oh, I mean. I was about to say, journalist-wise, not, not fans. Fans are fans. Yeah, but that, the kids who cares team about us? Like, who cares about us? Nobody cares about us. We're the most jaded people in the business. That's like, true. Nobody gives a shit about what we think. <laughs> so like Sean O'Malley, like, to push Sean O'Malley on the prelims and then give him no exposure isn't very wise. You gotta, if you're going to do it, you've got to do it now. 
You put him out there, you let him fight, he's undefeated. It's much better than putting saying, hey, man, check out Sean O'Malley. His record is 3-3. Three and three. Like, nobody gives a shit about that. If he's undefeated and then you put him in there and he loses, well, shit happens. But if he wins, you're building a star. It's kind of what they did with Conor McGregor, too. You know, they move, they move quick with Conor. They saw it was what quick. And then you're headlining your own FS1, and then you're co-main on a pay-per-view card. It's like, yo, how fast of a platform are you going to get someone? Like, yeah. I mean, you have to go where the money goes, and the UFC needs to make stars. I completely understand why O'Malley's here. I would prefer not to see him on the prelims. Doesn't make any sense. Because if he loses there, then you gain nothing at all whatsoever. You just kind of ruined him. But if he wins there, you still gain nothing because nobody saw him. Fair point. He wins on the main card. It's it's worth the risk if he wins on the main card. And listen, he's he's warming up the Frankie Edgar versus Brian Ortega fight, which... uh, This shit is hard to predict. Um, I'm going Frankie Edgar by decision. It's only a three-round fight. Frankie does this shit in his sleep. Like, that's cake for Frank. Frankie just warming up after three. Yeah. And people know how I feel about Frankie. You know, I don't, you know, he doesn't do it for me. And my explanation of why I said that is because he makes a lot of fights look too easy. Which is a credit to his greatness. I think he's going to do the same thing here. Where it's not going to be fun, it's not going to be flashy, it's going to be a decision. But he's going to outclass Ortega, who's a really good fighter. Just not ready for this level. Um, I'm not going to say Ortega's not ready for this level. because We saw what he just did to Cub Swanson. And he, takes, and he took a lot of punishment before wrapping him up like a pretzel. Yeah, well, well there's a difference because this is the second prospect in a row that they're giving to Frank Yeager. Yair Rodriguez got trucked. Reason, but the problem with Yair Rodriguez, though, is he's a completely different fighter than Brian Ortega. He plays right into Frankie's wheelhouse. Frankie will take you down. He'll he'll out wrestle you, and he'll just beat you up. Ortega's a little bit different. Ortega's very good off his back. Decent striker, um, but he deals with adversity well. Yair did, never had to really deal with adversity until Frankie put it on him. I figure if Ortega finds himself in a tough spot, that jujitsu is next level jujitsu. That man oh, is nasty. Yeah. So I'm still I'm picking Frankie Yeager. Um, to win because Frankie doesn't lose to anybody in the, this division unless you're named Jose Aldo, which is fucking weird because it sounds weird saying that today. But the day when Frankie Edgar turns old will not be on Saturday night against Brian Ortega. Frankie may get exposed against Max Holloway. Not even exposed. He's probably just get outclassed against Max Holloway. He might uh, Holloway. be a, a step too slow. Holloway does what Frankie does just a little better. Well, and Max is taller, rangier. There's a lot of things that Max does extremely well. But against Ortega, it's just Frankie's going to have to be careful. He can't just go take him down blindly. Uh, you know, he's got to be careful leaving his limbs out there because Ortega will snatch one up. And Ortega's a pretty decent striker. People forget what he did to Clay Guida. He killed him with a knee. Um, but this is, I think this is going to be a good fight. I don't think it's going to be easy. But I think that Frankie is going, he's going to outclass Ortega, but he's going to have to find ways to stay out of Ortega's danger zones. Like, yeah, it's just then, a, so, Frankie, do you, don't fuck up. Like, that's it. Just watch out. Don't fuck up. What you do is good enough. Just avoid the traps, and it will be a three-round light work. Because it's yeah. three rounds. Like, it, it comes down to, can Ortega catch Frankie slipping? And he only has 15 minutes to do so, not 25. Yeah, Frankie's never been finished. And for that matter, Ortega's never lost. So th- this fight is more than likely going the distance. But just because of that, somebody probably get knocked out in the first two minutes. But, oh, um, Frankie knocks him out. I forgot what fight we watched. And Frankie. Chad Mendes. Chad Mendes. God, took his head off. Yeah. That shit so, was dirty. For a co-main event, like, this is really good. It's just interesting. The UFC is like, all right, we're throwing another prospect at Frankie Edgar. All right, well, and go Frankie, ahead. Frankie sees, I'm phased by it. 
He's like, yeah. yeah, I could wait for my title shot. No, I'm fine. I'll I'm fight. just gonna. I'm ruining your new guys. Like, yeah, they should have never gave Yair that fight. And Ortega, he might be the next guy who should have never got that fight. But I knew Yair wasn't ready. Ortega is a little bit different. He's got yeah. different skills. And which I think if it was a title fight, 25 minutes, obviously no need for the Dana White special, the interim championship. But if there was a, you know, 25 minutes, it gives Ortega more time. Who I think Ortega has good cardio, good enough to go 25 to catch his opponent in a trap. I think it'd be he's one of the guys that. It's probably better in a, in a five-round fight than a three. Because you just give more time for someone else to tire out and to mess up and do something stupid. Yeah. And, and that's what is key. fits into his style. Three rounds, I don't see Frankie messing up in three. Um, main event, Cyborg against Kuniskaya. Uh, she sounds like an amazing, amazing villain uh, in any type of female blood sport movie. Uh, I'm pushing for it. Um, Kuniskaya looks ripped at 145. She fell down nicely. Over under two minutes. Over two minutes. Ooh, okay. um, over two minutes. I mean, like the, the under on this fight is like one and a half rounds. I don't think it'll last that long. Oh, I'm betting under uh, all day. I, yeah, gave, Kunis- I thought two minutes was, was right on spot. Well, I mean, Kuniskaya is a great. She's won championships in Russian kickboxing, uh, Muay Thai, and I want to say Taekwondo. So she's she's a, a good striker. Her losses have mainly been by submission. She got submitted by Tanya Evinger. Um, she got submitted by somebody else in Invicta. I think Cyborg might submit her in this fight. I think ground and pound, but yeah, either way, it's going to the ground, right? Yeah. So because of that, I think it'll take a little bit more time for Cyborg to get in there and start working her over. So in strikers who are, are competent strikers, they won't get knocked out again. But one way or another, Cyborg's getting the finish because I know she's not happy with not being able to finish out at home. So. We're going to get something vicious. It's going to be quick. Um, but I think it may last about four minutes, maybe. That's fair. Four minutes isn't bad. Um, but I think she's a little bit too gung-ho to engage Cyborg. I don't think she's going to use the, the, the range and the movement of Holly Holm. I think she's going to be a little bit more flat-footed, and that's a horrible thing to be against Cyborg. Holly Holm was natural 145. Kuda is not. I don't think she's taking those blows to the chin. It's I mean, Kuniskaya quick. was a 145-pounder, and she's training with Holly Holm. So, she's uh, eating to get to 145 right now. Like, she, without cutting any weight. She's fine. She fought at 145. Like, Everyone fought, fought at 145. 145. There was no 135 in Evicta forever. I'm just saying. Kuniskaya, I mean, she hasn't been there in a long time. I'm just, I don't think that, I don't think she's going to be like a deer in the headlights. I think she'll be, she'll know what she's doing. She just won't do it as well as Cyborg's going to do it. 130. A minute, 30 seconds, Cyborg I'm taking the under. Short night for us. Uh, and looking ahead to UFC 226. So uh, that's the UFC card. Before we move on to some good old wrestling and a, and a touch of boxing. Um, man, John Jones here. You could have done a better job defending your boy. Man, this guy, look. look, He's, <laughs> he's got to go because the, him and his team, like, Malky, like, y'all all are dumb. Like, what the... I mean, Kel, give him the recap. I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> so, uh, John Jones goes up there. Uh, first of all, they bring in uh, a specialist to talk about how easy it is to mix up supplements. The guy does no, no justice. He gets caught in the ringer. So they shoo his ass out real quick. And then it's time for John Jones to speak on his own behalf. And the judge just fucking rips him down. She catches him in every lie possible. He's like, oh, you know what? I've always learned from my mistakes. And she's like, hey, well, didn't the UFC give you a car? He's like, yeah. She's like, you wrapped it around the pole. 
Uh, it's like, oh, he's like, ah, oh, yeah, that was a mistake. And then she's like, you hit that woman with the car. He was like, ah, oh, yeah, that was a mistake. And then she was like, okay, do you do all your drug testing? Do you know what's going into your body? He's like, yeah, my managers do this for me. She's like, so you don't check anything? He's like, no, my managers. And he dropped, name dropped some chick. Yeah, she, she checks it for me. They check it for me. She's like, okay, what about these tests you have to take for USADA? I've never heard of those tests before. Oh, really? Here goes three signatures saying that you actively took these tests. Uh, written test before the actual, you know, piss test. He's like, oh, my managers must have filled those out. It's like, what? At this point, it it brings everything to fruition. Now I understand the story of John Jones. Everyone's job around him, trainers, you know, um, all, all the lead coaches at Jackson Wink. You have his managers. Shit, damn near, maybe his his spouse or whoever. Their whole job is to stop John from fucking up before he gets the money. Just get from fight to fight and limit the dumb shit he does in between. They, he is a child. He is a five-year-old. They put out his meals. They sign his papers. They give his him a field trip form to come to Vegas and fight. All that shit. He does nothing for himself besides strippers and blow. He is a child. Yeah. Given tons of money and tons of talent, and he doesn't know anybody. He's never had to do anything. He's never had to face real adversity. Because when that shit happens, it never happens in the octagon. And when that shit happens in real life, they take the brunt for him. They always bail him out. He has no repercussions. Daniel Cormier said this shit so right. John Jones won't be humbled until he loses in the octagon. Because that's the only thing there is no excuse for. There's no one that can take that blame off of him. That is, my man, you lost. You're not good enough. And that shit will humble him. Everything else, there's always a scapegoat. There's always this. I took dick pills. I didn't know what was coming into my body. We're test- and he beat the case again. Suspended his license, which is a one-year thing. I think they're going to make it retroactive to 8 August 26 or something. So it's really a five-month suspension from now. His ass will be fighting Brock Lesnar here in Vegas next December. I have no doubts about it. Well, I mean, he still has to go in front of the actual board. This is just California, so California took away his life. You think USADA he, is going to be tougher than Cali? It could be. I don't think. I think USADA be. just says, okay, they punished you. We're going to rock with whatever they say. I mean, we'll see how it goes. But, yes, this is, I mean, this is, you should be fired because you're stupid. You shouldn't be fired because you did anything wrong. At this point, you're fired because you're dumb. And that's, that's, that's really what it is because, again, this is a man who just can't get out of his own way. Um, yeah, he's been gifted with everything and blah, 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 and we're all sick of John Jones. I am. I'm tired of John Jones. And, and he's coming back. So, you, listen, you're going to have to talk okay. John Jones, Brock Lesnar, heavyweight, heavyweight again. It's going to be fucking ridiculous. And believe me, if, if Brock doesn't want to fight until December and John Jones is feeling frisky and he wants to fight in September and he goes against the heavyweight title, whether it's against Cormier or if Cormier vacates it, whoever the hell they want to step up, John Jones will win that fight too. And he's going to carry all the gold if he wants into a Brock Lesnar fight. Or he'll just go into a fight with no gold and try to cash the hell out. And uh, it's going to be a whole different world, man. And he can do whatever he wants. It's incredible. I I expect him to get no punishment. USADA works for the UFC. UFC don't work for them. uh, UFC is paying USADA. They're not going to take one of their biggest fighters off the market. This is money. Like, it's not an independent contractor. Shit ain't the Olympics. The UFC cuts the checks to USADA. They're going to come down on a star? Fuck out of here. 
I, I don't, John Jones would be back in that octagon in 2018. With, with nothing, without a scratch. This, this guy got fucking Wakanda blood in him. Untouchable so right now. You're telling me he's about to shake the suspensions like J- James Harden shook Wesley Johnson last night? Just as dirty. Bless, <laughs> Res- Bless Wesley Johnson's ankles. It was crazy. Yeah. That, that shit was straight out the rocker. The stare? Ooh, yeah. The, the stare was so dirty. The stare and pull up. John Jones is on that level of just don't give a fuck. He, that's where he is. Because he knows at this point he doesn't care. There isn't a suspension. We were talking about this guy being suspended for five years when he popped. He's looking yeah. at one. This is a vacation. I think he still might fight. Wait, did Connor fight before or after John got suspended? Because he might come back before Connor and be off less time. How crazy is that? Off of like a third failed test. UFC don't care, man. This shit is cage fighting. This is blood sport. You, you can smoke weed. You can do drugs. You do everything. Just don't pop on our test and make us look stupid. Outside of that, you could be juiced to the gills. TRT, all this shit. Dana White does not care. In a sport where you probably should have some good decision making because you hold another person's life in your hands when you shouldn't be coked out of your mind during fight week, when you shouldn't be juiced because holding a choke a little too tight can kill someone or punch them in the temple a little too hard at the right spot will put the lights out forever. They don't give a damn. They don't. Like, yo, you could, as long as you look good doing it and people will tune in to see you kill people, we will let you do it. Juice and all. They don't give a damn. And the legitimacy of this sport, I, two years ago on this podcast, I was like, they're, they're trying to be the NBA. They're trying to be the NFL. Dana White's going to move them in dire- that direction. I was an idiot. They don't give a damn about legitimacy. There is not going to be a union. There's not going to be fair pay for athletes. They're going to take all the money. They're going to make this shit a blood sport. This is Mortal Kombat. Dana White is Shang Tsung. This is my tournament, homie. Y'all just lucky to fight in it. It's never going to be equal. This shit's a farce. That was a rant. (laughs) Listen, sometimes you just got to go with it, man. You just got to go with it. Um, Let's talk boxing. I've gotten worked up on the UFC. Um, Boxing this weekend... Deontay Wilder comes back. I hate New York now that I'm passionate about uh, New York's my birthplace. I love you guys. You know, our Yankees are winning the chip this year, gang gang. But outside of that, I hate that they get all the boxing matches now, man. They get two this weekend. Like, you can't watch two. They get Kovalev's return, and then they get um, Ortiz versus Wilder, which I expect to be a good fight. I think Wilder gets him out of there around, like, the sixth or seventh, though. I think Wilder's getting better. That jab still needs a little work. But uh, I, I think he's still rounding out. As I, as I think maybe Joshua hit kind of a plateau, or maybe the competition's just a little bit better and he has to hit that next level, um, I, I think Wilder's now getting to that next level. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested in this fight. I think uh, Ortiz, is a, he's, a, he's a great fighter. Uh, I don't know if he'll get knocked out. I think he will. I don't know if he's, I mean, maybe he's going to avoid a failed drug test this time. I don't know. But... Uh, <laughs> You know, I mean, a lot is riding on this fight because the, the, they're trying to really get us to see Wilder versus Joshua. Joshua's got to fight Joseph Parker and next month. Next Which month? isn't, yeah, next month, April. It's not, that's not an easy fight either. Hell no. Like, Joseph like, Parker's got a hell of a chin. Yeah, that's just not a given. Like, these are, these are, both of these fights aren't gimme fights. Like, Luis Ortiz is a, a serious threat. Yeah. Um, maybe Wilder's biggest threat 
Yeah, probably. Yeah. Because Bermain Stavern wasn't a threat. The first Stavern uh, fight, Bermain looked a little bit better, but not. It was still yeah. just Wilder kind of trying to get work in for a couple rounds and then notice, like, oh, shit, I'm, that's not going to finish him. Yeah, Ortiz probably would drag uh, Bermain Stavern. But this, I think this will be a good fight for as long as it lasts. Um, not sure when it ends, but I, I figure it should end at some point with Wilder landing that, that big left hand. But, uh, yeah, man, it's, I mean, it's, it's good. The heavyweight division, they need this. Just, now they just got to hope that Wilder doesn't lose to a yeah. guy who's got popped multiple times with drugs. <laughs> no, nah, definitely. Um, you got to hope that guy's no longer on drugs, which uh, that's a roll of the dice at this point yeah. because they all just find a better way to cheat. Drugs or no drugs, you know, PDs, all that shit, I still think Wilder wins. Uh, Joshua's fight is a little bit tougher. Um, if he can come through that, I think that'll be a close fight. Those are one of those like, oh, let me squeak through this to get to my really good fight. But he needs those. Um, I, I think it, it's really cool. They should have promoted this as a heavyweight tournament, Bellator style. Because I think it, it would showcase the depth more. Because right now, these two guys are really good fighters. They're just stepping stones to the eventual plateau. If you made it feel like a real tournament and like Joshua getting upset, it builds up. You know, maybe Wilder versus uh, Parker or whatever it might be. Like, it, it would have made more intrigue. But whatever. I'm not complaining. Heavyweight boxing is back. I, I'm happy to have four fighters. Before, it was Klitschko and a bunch of dudes. We should get Tyson Fury back. Yo, he's training. He's a little slimmer. Yeah. He might be off the nose candy. Mm, we'll see. <laughs> I don't know. That'd be one hell of a fight. Because, you know, defensively, he gives people problems. So that'd be interesting for either Wilder or uh, Joshua. Him versus Joshua in England would be the biggest shit in heavyweight in, in like a decade. So that'd be so dope. I think it, it probably bigger than him and Klitschko. You know, Klitschko obviously has a bigger name, but I, I think they'd package it and make it bigger. No, I mean, Tyson Fury is pretty goddamn big overseas. And Joshua's already big. I mean, the fight with Joseph Park has already sold, I believe, 70,000 tickets. So, yeah, it doesn't matter. Like, oh, Fury versus Joshua. When do they Joshua come here? Fight? When does he come to the States? I mean, as long as you're putting 70,000, 80,000 people in a building overseas, maybe you don't. They have to pay you a lot of money. I mean, he comes here for Wilder. That fight happens in the States. They pay him a shitload of money. So you don't think it's in the UK? No. Wilder, Wilder Park, I mean, Joshua won't be in the UK. That'll be in the States. Um, But everything else up until that point, it's going to be hard to say, well, Joshua, you should fight in the States. Why? 80,000 people are coming to see my fights. No, that's fair. That's fair. Um, Kovalev's returning. I expect him to win. Well, yeah, it's the second fight back since the uh, losing the ward. Yeah. Um, McKellican is just a guy. Uh, he's a decent fighter, but, yeah, he's there to get beat up. So, Kovalev will beat him up. There there you have it. Yeah, so, I and once again, with the Andre Ward fights and everything, I'm just not sure where I stand on Kovalev. I mean, Ko- it's Kovalev is the best light heavyweight when there's no per- such person as Andre Ward. I mean, obviously, you still have Badu Jack versus fighting Adonis Stevenson, which is a great fight. Um, but I think Kovalev, I, I don't think too many people can beat Kovalev except for Andre Ward. That's true. No, I mean, but it just takes some of the luster off of it, right? Like, just seeing him get washed. Yeah. Like, uh, and then yeah, the guy walking just... away, you don't have a chance for a trilogy. Or Now it's just like, yeah, the other guy just left. Like, he just, you leave the division just kind of like in the standstill. Yeah, I mean Ward. Ward did what he had. To do. Ward was the number one pound for pound fighter in the world for a reason, and Kovalev was like number three at the time when they had the first fight. So, I mean, I I don't really take too much away from Kovalev. Yes, he lost, but he lost to the best fighter in the world. So, you know, get back in your horse. 
try to land that fight. Hopefully, figure out a way that you could fight uh, Badu Jack Adonis Stevenson. Probably not because they're PVC and Showtime, but uh, you know that's that's where you need to go. That's where the money's at. You can't beat up bums forever. Yeah, that's true. Um, then that's pretty much boxing, man. Ain't shit else happening in boxing. Well, except for Manny Pacquiao saying I'm not fighting on nobody's undercard. Oh, I forgot. Nah, Manny's gonna fight wherever the hell Aaron tells him to fight. Yeah, Aaron and told thought, him to fight on this undercard. He said no. I thought it was a done deal though. Manny just it wasn't his a shit. done. Manny, they said no. This is the story is, is no, and Aaron was confirmed. <laughs> he's not doing it. He's not fighting on the undercard of Terrence Crawford versus Jeff Horn. One, because he believes he'd be Jeff Horn, and two, because he's Manny Pacquiao. Like, and that's what I said from the beginning. When I heard it, I, I, I told you, I was like, that shit don't sound right. Manny Pacquiao could headline his own card. Why would he be a co-main event? So, yeah. there's that. Unless he said, they promised him the winner of the fight, and it was just like, yo, we're just trying to align you guys. But, but, yeah, he'll, but he'll say, I, shit, I get the winner anyway. I don't have to fight to get the winner. Like, Mike Alvarado? Mike Alvarado's a bum. Yeah. I mean, but he just needs a win. Just showcase Pacquiao. Fuck it. At least you he can fight in the it. States. You won't get robbed. He don't need a win. He needs to do a senatorial duty. He needs to fight somebody that's good. Like, Mike Alvarado does nothing for Manny Pacquiao right now. Manny Pacquiao's yeah. on the, the farewell tour. He just needs to cash these checks. Yeah. Like, Bob, you paying me 10, 12 mil? Let's just go get this money, man. I'll fight a tin can for that much. So, I mean, Pacquiao, he's in an odd spot. It, the Fair World Tour is way overdue. Like, just just bounce, man. Like, even Kobe had to leave sooner or later. Just leave. Like, how long is it going to go on? Um, yeah, damn Pacquiao. Let's talk about wrestling. Something that upsets you more than upsets me. Uh, <laughs> WWE this week, we saw a couple things play out. Um, starting with Elimination Chamber. We were there. Oh, and I was there. You were you were there there, which oh man, so dirty. You know, people, this is how it goes, right? So, you know, Dre's chilling. Uh Marcus Vanderberg, Yahoo Sports, a friend of the podcast as well, uh reverse rat pack member, gets a couple tickets uh through work to enjoy the, the pay-per-view. Your very own Andreas Hale, uh old man Andreas, does the same. So he invites us out. We're all going, you know, complimentary of those uh fine gentlemen. So we all show up there. Our other crew got tickets. We're hanging out. We're like, yeah, um, you know, we got nice seats. We're not in the nosebleeds. Not like, you know, nice seats. Dre gets me the nice seats. He gets our tickets. He got them in his hand. He looks over to Marcus Vanderberg's tickets. Who uh, there's a group of us, so there's really no designated tickets. He looks over, looks at Marcus's tickets. He's like, oh, you're on the floor. Yo, Kel, here's these tickets for you guys. You guys go sit in that 100 level. I'm going to take Marcus's other ticket. We're going to be on the floor posing with Sasha Banks and putting this shit in the group chat. Like, yo, Kel, look at me and Bay right here. <laughs> Grimy. Just stunting on me. Like, not even publicly. Just the, the quiet, like, look at this. That's the equivalent of the James Harden step back. He just did me dirty for no reason. I was like, yeah, we got these tickets. They didn't want to sit nowhere near me. Yo. So he's on the bottom. We got collages. Go to his Instagram. Got collages in front of Finn Balor and shit. Have yeah, I mean, I was no, we were like on the stage. <laughs> like, <laughs> so cool. I was like, yo, I've never sat by the entrance ramp except for when I was like eight years old was the closest I ever sat next to the entrance ramp. I was like next to like as soon as they came out, the first person they saw was me. And then Mark, <laughs> like, I'm, just, I'm telling you, and fun, there's a funny story that happened um, during Elimination Chamber when they get eliminated. We, you know, they hobble back up the ramp and they go back to Gorilla. So where me and Mark are sitting, we could see Gorilla like we could see the curtain. 
So Miz gets eliminated. He's hobbling, hobbling, hobbling. And I'm, I'm like, I'm like, stick to it. He turns the corner where the grill is. I mean, I'm still looking dead at him. And he just, he just shrugs his shoulders and walks off. <laughs> <laughs> like, they broke kayfabe. But, I mean, yeah. I mean, Elimination Chamber was good for what it was. Shitty ending that we all saw coming. Uh, I guess let's talk about it real quick. Let's just talk about the yeah, Chamber. Yeah, uh, Women's Chamber match. Uh, Didn't get good until it was uh, three till, people. Yeah, to Ryan's girl, Sonya Deville, got eliminated. I mean, they had to. I mean, when Mickey was gone and Mandy Rose was gone and Sonya Deville were gone, when it was just Bailey, Sasha, and Alexa Bliss, that's when business picked up. Correct. Other than that, it was it was an okay match. Um, but Alexa Bliss cut a phenomenal promo, by the way. No, she that, did. Uh, that's that's her strong suit, right? Talking on the mic. Very much so. Uh, in the ring with those other three women, they hit her well. Yeah. They really did, and they told a story when she was in there. But ring work wise, she can't hang with them. But you know, the emotions in her face and everything, she's found a way to circumvent that and, and not feel out of place. So she took the win. I thought Sasha should have took the win. No bias. Just being objective. Um, if you're going to have Asuka stay on Raw and challenge the Raw champion, which it looks like, I guess, um, then it should have been her versus Sasha Banks. And that would have been the better match. We saw that on Raw. We got a hint to that. I, I, I don't think that Alexa Bliss is going to put on that, that same show. Maybe they'll try to make a triple threat when Nia Jax and Sasha Bailey have their own match, which is very possible. Um, but even then, it's like, huh, okay, you're just hiding Alexa again. And we all know the outcome of that. So I thought it was decent for the first one. Next year, I'll be more interested when we have these blended pay-per-views. I would like to see them, instead of going four chamber matches, go three from each brand in the chamber. Um you don't have to put like the biggest stakes on it. Just just give us a show. Like you don't have to get a title win with a chamber win. Um, I'd like to say three from each brand. Just see who's superior. Because if we have three women from each, I mean we we have an Oscar, uh, Sasha, and you throw Nia in or whoever the hell else you want next year or Rousey in there from Raw, and then you have the Charlotte, the Becky Lynch, um, the Naomi from the other side. It, it makes for a better match. There are no weak spots. You know, it makes it more fluid. Kind of like the men's match was. Mm, I disagree, but we can move on. <laughs> you don't like the brand split at all, anyway. Uh, no, I hate the brand split. Yeah, you think it's going to crumble. So, yeah. um, next up, we had, what, Hardy Wyatt? Dar, yeah. I don't even know. I don't even know Hardy the card. Wyatt? Hardy Wyatt, uh, the beach ball. was. The... Well, I mean, Dar, what have I told you about Matt Hardy? He's going to get lost in the shuffle of the big card. And there you have it. Nobody cared. This match, they did the wave. They threw a beach ball. They chanted for the beach ball. Nobody cared about this match. No, Hardy's, no one cared at all. <laughs> Hardy's in a tough spot. Like, like on TNA, he was the headliner. So they spent a lot of time with Broken Matt Hardy. Now, Woken Matt Hardy is a mid-carder wrestling with Bray Wyatt with really no direction to go from here. So he kind of gets buried on the card. Again, case of too much talent, you have nowhere to put guys. You put them in this spot. It was a shitty spot for them. The match itself wasn't really that good. Actually, it was pretty bad. And the crowd didn't care. Yeah, no one cared. Um, oh, no one's going to care until we get like full magic type shit. Even if, even if you get that, there's not enough behind it because they're buried behind so much other talent on Raw. So I don't, like, I don't think... This feud will continue. I figure they'll be involved in something, probably the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, and then they'll do the uh, 
they'll do like the the weird outside the ring compound match on the next pay-per-view. You can't do that at WrestleMania. You can't have eight like 60,000 people sitting in the arena looking at a screen for a match. I wouldn't mind that for the pre-show. Just give them like 45 minutes on a pre-show. Mm, I doubt it. But you I never doubt know. it too, but I mean that that'd be the place. Yeah, um, it's, it's trash. Their, their feud is trash. Everything Bray Wyatt is trash. They, I mean, he's been booked poorly. He loses all the time. He looked pretty it's good on bad. Raw. Yeah, but nobody cares. No, yeah, no one cares at all. It's a damn shame what happened to him. But he has JoJo, who uh, my sources say were, was looking extra thick. Oh, God, yeah. At the chamber. Yo, she's been eating with Bray Wyatt. And, and, not, and this is not in a bad way. I'm just saying what it is. Like she, she, Listen, we saw into his bank a, account. They've been going to strip clubs, spending money, yeah. eating the wings in Miami. You know, he took her out to a fancy dinner here in Vegas. She's eating well off of Bray Wyatt. Absolutely. Yeah, so uh, thick JoJo. I am not feeling bad for this guy uh, at all. We had Luke Gallows, Carl's Anderson versus the Miztourage on the pre-show. We missed this it match. Yeah, we're outside. But the club obviously won. Cesaro and Sheamus. Uh, I don't know. I thought Apollo Crews looked good in this match. I thought he looked good a lot lately. Yeah, I was getting something to eat, so. (laughs) Yo, they didn't have Shake Shack open. No, they closed Shake Shack. The show, my heart was broken. Yeah, I was walking and I saw Megan Olivi and uh, from UFC, and we were talking, and I saw Joseph Benavidez and me and Marcus were walking and talking, and I was like, "Yo, Shake Shack is closed." She was like, "Oh no!" And we sat there and we talked about that, and then she was like, "Oh, you got to go back to your seat soon because Ronda Rousey is going to come out." So I missed the entire tag team match. I didn't care. Boom, it wasn't bad. That. Apollo Crews looked good. Um, then the bar is still the bar. Then we have Asuka versus Nia Jax, which I'm not mad at the match. I thought it was decent. Eight minutes isn't enough time. It was, was kind of way too short. And then Nia getting mad at the end and putting Asuka through the barricade looked cool. But they're booking her exactly like Strowman's booked. You're yeah. strong except for one person. You're strong or it will keep you away from the title. There's what they've been doing with Nia Jax is they've been purposefully keeping her away from the title. I don't know why. <laughs> maybe, it's, maybe it's for her to feud with Alexa, but they've been doing this whole weird Alexa and Mickey James thing. I have no idea what they're doing. I don't think they know what they're doing with Nia Jax. Um, but yeah, this SmackDown Nia would be really good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just don't know what they're doing with Nia Jax anymore. And, and I thought maybe when Oscar won, maybe Oscar challenges Charlotte and then Nia challenges Alexa and, you know, their friendship's ours. I just don't. This Mickey James thing is just weird to me. I don't know why it's happening. It's bothering me. Yeah, I don't know either. That makes no damn sense. This is what happens when they don't know what to do with six weeks of a build. And they're just like, oh, we're going to build this all in the last two weeks. So we just got to fill shit for the next four. Uh, men's chamber match. Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman. Elias, Finn, John Cena, Seth Rollins, and The Miz. Anything surprise you out of this match? No, it, it actually kind of surprised me how boring it was. Like really? it was. I, I didn't think it was that bad. It wasn't. It, I mean, it started slow. The, you know, it's with with uh, Seth, Miz, and Finn. Was it Finn? Yeah. First three. Uh huh. Was that was slow? It was really slow. Um, you know, Braun Strowman getting all these eliminations just made it worse for Roman. I, I don't know why you're going to do that if you're just going to have the man lose. It just, that shit just... It made no make, sense. You did you did Roman no favors. Yeah, you just made it worse on Roman Reigns. Like, the fact that, that Braun eliminated everybody but... Like, yo, he took five finishers. Six? Five or six? Can't remember. 
He took five or six finishers. I don't think Miz got his in there. Nope, Elias was gone. So maybe four finishers? Whatever the hell it was. But he took all those and kicked out with authority. And then he takes two spears from Roman and loses? Come on, guys. It's whack. It, it, the, the chamber match, it just... For all the chamber matches that we've seen, there was no drama. And because there was no drama... we knew the ending. How yeah, was it ever going to be drama? But that's why it sucked. I mean, it, it, it wasn't... That good. I mean, you know, Seth's frog splash was great, but for the most part, this was not a good chamber match. I don't even know why Elias was even in it. He was in it out so fast. He came out of the chamber, out of his little chamber cage last and was eliminated damn near first. Yeah. He went what, no right sense. after the Miz. He was in there for three minutes. Made I, no sense. I thought Finn looked strong a couple times against Strowman. They let him get some offense in against Strowman, which, uh, you know, it's nice to see him work against the bigger guys. Like, yo, is it believable? In the world of Giants, can he actually win the belt on Raw sooner or later? I think he can. I think he looks strong. Um, once again, the demon is the demon. So if he has to beat Strowman down the line or something, it's very possible. Um, so I thought that was good. They worked well together. And I thought Strowman put on a pretty good show. It's just Roman came in and was like, yep, oh, that's it. We know how it's going to end. And then the two spears, I think that was too, too light. Yeah, I mean, it needed to be something bigger, but it wasn't, and there you have it. That's the end of that, yeah. and now we're on the road to WrestleMania. Uh, John Cena. Oh, wait, we didn't talk about uh, Ronda Rousey. Oh, shit, Ronda. Yeah, uh, I forgot. I forgot she was there. Uh, Ronda came out, uh, I don't know. At least she went from, like, good girl Ronda to dark scowling Ronda. It's, it's a better Ronda. It's a way Ronda. better Ronda. She shouldn't talk. Just scowl, armbar people. That's it. Well, the problem with Ronda is I think she's enjoying herself a little bit too much. Like, she's still enamored by the moment that she's, like, in WWE. Like, I was one of the early people who interviewed Ronda Rousey. I interviewed her for MTV before she fought Misha Tate. And we spent a majority of our conversation talking about pro wrestling. Like, this is this is way before Ronda Rousey was Ronda Rousey. And we talked about, like, we talked about how she used to rip the arms off her wrestling buddies. And those stories actually became part of who she was later. But I didn't know any of this stuff. And I only knew Ronda because I saw her in a couple fights in like Strike Force Challenges. But she's a huge pro wrestling fan. Fun fact, not too many people know this, but when I was in California, I was going to a PWG show. Uh, Lazy the Savage, who, uh, if you follow him on Instagram, is Ronda's photographer, asked me what I was doing one night. I was like, I'm going to PWG. And he was like, I think we are too. I've heard about this. And that's the night that Ronda Rousey was on TMZ chopping Tommaso Champion Biff Fusick. Now she works in the same company as Tommaso Champion and Biff Busick, but she's ahead of them. I was about to say somewhat. <laughs> They're whole yeah. different levels. But it's it's just like she is a wrestling fan, and you can see it when she comes out there. Like, and and I think it's it's almost problematic because it makes her a little bit nervous, yeah. and she doesn't speak with the authority. Like when you listen to John Cena cut a promo, there's always authority in his voice. Yeah. Ronda still talks like she's having a conversation with you, and that's not how it really should work. No. I think she'll figure it out, but. Yeah, I think she's just kind of enjoying this a little bit too much. She threw Triple H to the table. Fantastic. Stephanie slapped the shit out of her. That was a real-ass slap. Yo, Stephanie throws them hard-ass slaps. Let's just keep it funky. She's the hardest slapper in pro wrestling today. She, she, she strikes way better than her brother. Let's just say. She's the best striker in the McMahon family. Shane is the worst. Yeah. Shane's punches are the Yo, Shane's punches. <laughs> like, Shane's punches should be in a video game, and, like, it, it should take no energy off of you. Like, oh. If you, I need to create a character in the new WWE game and see if I could get Shane's punches. Yeah, but it, you do it as a finishing move, and it takes no energy off your bar. <laughs> it's terrible. That is so dope. Um, no, I think Ronda's going to figure it out. Am I weird? Like, I, I think she's going to be good at this. I, I think 
Um, they can make her a Heyman girl. I think Heyman could build not making her a Heyman girl. Stop Brock it. is gone. What the hell is Paulie going to do? Brock isn't gone. Brock is going to be gone. He got a, he got a, a toe in the UFC. But then he'll come back like he always does. All right. Listen, I, I think in the meantime, you can protect Ronda. Uh, think that can be the way to go. Heal Ronda is always better than face Ronda. Like, look, Heyman's a better choice. Like, your original thing was Stephanie McMahon Stephanie, being Ronda. Yeah, Listen, yeah that was dumb. Gotta talk. But, but you uh, saw how it went. Like, you, you see what we're getting for WrestleMania. We're getting yeah. Ronda and Kurt versus Triple H and Stephanie. Yeah, which is smarter because you don't want to throw her in against the Charlottes, the Oscars right away. She needs some time to, you know, just sharpen her skills. And I think she's going to be pretty decent at wrestling. I don't think she's going to be that bad. She's not going to be Kurt Angle, where she's as a natural in there. But she could be Ken Shamrock. Ken Shamrock was actually pretty fucking good. But Ken but, Shamrock wasn't bad at all. I mean, he wasn't yeah. Kurt Angle. But I think, like, to the women's division, listen, she's not going to be Mandy Rose. She's not going to be Alexa Bliss. She's going to be better than them. No, I agree. Like, she's, I mean, she's I, not going to be bad. A lot of people think Ronda's going to be terrible. Like, I, dog, I don't see her being that bad. Y'all got to no. cut this shit out. Y'all just don't like Ronda. Yeah. The, I think the point is, is that... You know, we'll see what she does. It's perfect for her to fight, to go with Stephanie in a mixed tag match because it shows her the ropes. It put her on a big stage. But she doesn't go in there and beat Asuka because there's nowhere to go but down from there. Uh-huh. So she, she has to work her way up. Eventually, Shayna Baszler is going to join her in, in, in on the main roster. And then we'll see what happens. Maybe we go heel Ronda. There are a lot of things you can do with Ronda Rousey. A lot of people are just really overreacting. They think about Ronda losing. They think that she doesn't have it. Look, man. The woman, like, a lot of people take away from what Ronda accomplished in the UFC. Don't think for a minute that she can't be good at pro wrestling. She may not be great, but I think she can be good. Plus, let's not act like every woman in, in the WWE is actually good at wrestling. They're not. <laughs> no, no. She's, I'd argue, at worst, she can be middle of the pack, at worst. She's come from an area where her job growing up was throwing women around. That was judo. Like she knows how to take a bump. She knows how to throw people. I'm sure she can throw people safely. It it lends to her skill set. I think she's going to be good, and and I think she's she doesn't have to throw real punches. There's no head movement. Like that was her only problem. Outside of throwing accurate, real to life punches to hit somebody in the face, she did everything else amazingly well in mixed martial arts. Now she gets to do it scripted. She'll be fine. She'll learn suplexes. She'll do cool-ass little maneuvers. I expect for her to be pretty damn good in comparison to the rest of the division when she actually starts getting in there. I just need to see her ditch the Ramona Shelbourne every week city-to-city tour, traveling the ESPN lollipop bullshit. When the hype fades and she falls into just being a really good, high-caliber wrestler, like, you know, top-of-the-card-style women's wrestler, it'll be so much better. And yeah. she could develop a real character. Right now, the remoter Shelbourne front page of ESPN every fucking week, that shit's for the birds. It doesn't lend to kayfabe, which is damn near dead, but it doesn't lend to pro wrestling. It, it arguably makes it too real. I mean, it's WrestleMania season. What do you expect? They're going to yeah. push the hell out of this on all oh, platforms. Of course. But I mean, after this, she got to fade into normalcy. Yeah. I think that's where she shines. And she will. Lesnar faded into normal. So they all do. They all fade into it after that. But it's WrestleMania season. And whenever you have celebrities involved with WrestleMania, the media is pushed into overdrive. And you yeah. see, like, Floyd was there, when Lawrence Taylor, when you go all the way back to that. When but they're, they're commodities. There, she's a full-time wrestler. Well, yeah, she's a full-time talent now. I mean, Ken Shamrock was the referee for Bret Hart versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah. 
yeah, which, so which like, is a good way, once again, right? Like, give them some hoaxy shit to start off with and then fade them in. Yeah, so Ronda Rondo be fine. Uh, I, like, I, like I said in our group chat the other day, Ronda Rousey in the WWE at WrestleMania, this mixed tag match, and why Stephanie is her opponent, is the least of my concerns, especially with WrestleMania. There are a ton of concerns with WrestleMania. Ronda Rousey's not one of them. All right. Your boy, uh, John Cena. Looks like he's uh, jumping ship back to SmackDown. Uh, I'm scared that they're going to interject him in that main event. I don't think Should so. Should I be? No. no. I, I mean, personally, I don't think so. I think Cena's going to lose again. And uh, that's when you get the Undertaker match. You think Undertaker think, cost him, or God, I, or he just I, I loses and he's at wit's end? Yeah, I think I think you got to take John Cena down to to the bottom of the barrel to where it's career versus career. And I and I hate it because I don't I don't want to see Undertaker in the ring, but I really see no other setup for this. There's no reason for John Cena to go in this match and win. There's no reason for him to beat AJ Styles. AJ Styles and Nakamura is your wrestling fan, like your wrestling's. Fans match, not WWE superstar, but that's a wrestling match. Yeah, and you I think we get a couple of those actually, because I think we get Zayn Owens, which is going to be an amazing fucking match too. I don't, I don't think. I hope we don't get that. They break, they're breaking them up too soon. They have. It's a whole nother show to talk about that, but all the momentum Kevin Owens had after he headbutted Vince is gone. They, the Road Dogg, yeah. he's ruined SmackDown. Any momentum that they had after Sami Zayn returned and saved Kevin Owens from Shane jumping on him is gone. It's they've they buried this. Yeah. Maybe they're doing this as a reverse psychology thing where Kevin Owens could win the title. Don't see it. I don't see him breaking up with, with Sammy because I feel like it's too soon for that. And we've been down that road so many times. I think we need to. I don't know what they're doing. I really have no clue what they're doing with Kevin Owens and Sammy Zayn. And I don't like it. I like Kevin Owens. I thought he was going to be champion around this time. I said it when he had but events. I was like, that's how you make a champion. Top heel in the business. Now he's not. He's an afterthought. Yeah, well, not afterthought, but I he's, know. I mean, in the, in it's just Shane, like, Shane and Daniel Bryan's gonna have no culminate. Like they're doing all this so they can fire Daniel Bryan this summer. They they've scripted something for a year, not so he can return and fight. So you can have Shane McMahon fire him, and that's the end of his contract. Why would you do that? Like, why would you plan an entire roster around a GM leave? It makes no fucking sense. I don't think they're even doing that. I just really don't. I really think that Road Dogg is a shitty booker and agent for SmackDown. That's all I think it is. The, the Daniel Bryan, uh, Shane McMahon thing has dragged on way too long with no payoff. And it, the payoff needs to be at WrestleMania. But I, I don't know what the yeah, hell they're doing. Road Dogg needs to step aside. What happened to the NXT dude? He went back down? For a second, Ooh. they brought the NXT dude up. That's when they were rocking uh, like before last summer. It was the lead NXT rider. He came up. He was doing good. SmackDown was dope, and then next thing you know, he's fucking gone, and Road Dog has the reins. I mean, Road Dog has the reins. Still got to go through Vince McMahon at the end of the day, so Vince is proving this shit. But SmackDown is truly the B show again. Yeah, I feel like Vince would sign his name to damn near anything nowadays. He's like, all right, leave me alone, XFL. God damn yeah. it, Road Dog. Yeah, do it. Like, he definitely ain't paying attention to fucking SmackDown. So it's like, whatever, man. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Superstar Shake-Up needs to breathe some new life into it. Maybe Triple H you know, tells his old buddy, like, yo, you're fucking shit up. Give me this, too. He's already doing some, uh, 205 Live. It's right after it. Might as well let Trips just run the whole shit on uh, Tuesdays. So we'll see. That's the WWE, though, in a nutshell for this week. I think we touched on everything. Um, that is our show, Dre. We are back next week with another show for the people. 
Uh, we'll recap UFC 222. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how fast uh, Cyborg kills the chick. If she upsets Cyborg, you guys are going to be calling for an emergency show. I know it. That show will be crazy. But, uh, you know, these short notice fights are always a little iffy. But we'll, we'll see. We'll see what shenanigans we get into. Next week, we'll also preview Fastlane, which I think will be coming up the weekend after. So we'll yeah. have a SmackDown pay-per-view, which I don't even think Nakamura is on, by the way. He's not. Yeah, that's an odd build to WrestleMania, right? He's going to come out and point like Ronda Rousey after it's all said and done. Just point at Styles, point at the sign. Maybe. Uh, um, yeah, so I, I don't know what the hell's going on over there. But we'll preview that and whatever other shenanigans happen uh, during this week. Till then, follow us on social media at the corner LSN on all platforms. Me at Kel Dansby, him at Andreas Hale. That is our show. Thank you guys for tuning in again. We're out. Peace. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.